Well, good morning. I know this is a cliche, but I can't believe it's December 19th. I can't believe we just lit the fourth Advent candle. I can't believe this week is Christmas. I mean, it's just unbelievable. We're getting closer and closer. And as we do, I keep being reminded of all the things I still need to do. I don't know if this happens to you, but when I have family or friends coming over to my house, it's like I see things in a whole new light. I wonder, how long has that light bulb been out? I see scuffs and fingerprints on the mirrors and on the windows. And again, I think, how did those even get there? I look at all the dog hair and think, do we always live in this much animal hair? I think the answer is yes. But because my family, my mom and her husband, my sister, her husband, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles are all coming to our house for Christmas this year, it really has given us some motivation to do things we should have done a long time ago. Spray some WD-40 on those squeaky doors to fix sinks that have been running again for who knows how long. How can we keep track of these things? We're really excited to host Christmas because we hosted last year for the first time. It was kind of strange, right? I made everybody sit outside to eat. It was so cold. Everyone had to wear a mask inside. It felt like I was being really mean, but trying to take care of everybody. So it feels like this year there's even more at stake. We're so excited and hopeful that this year will be redemptive of what we all hoped for last year. So there are preparations. There are things we need to spruce, to clean. Got to make sure all the presents are ready, that there's room in the fridge for all the food, stove space, oven space. It's a whole thing. And I know you're all thinking about it too because I'm not the only one who's preparing for a big holiday this week. But not only at our homes do we prepare for Christmas, but also here around the church. Over the past several weeks, you've seen slowly different and more decorations come up as we prepare for Christmas Eve. We've had staff and volunteers coming in to spruce up, to make sure sinks aren't leaking, to clear off sidewalks, to beautify our grounds. All of these things, we're preparing to invite people in for Christmas Eve, to celebrate the birth of Jesus once again. And there are many things we must get ready. It is a busy time of the year, but there is one preparation. And again, I know this is a cliche, but preparing our hearts is the most important thing we can do this week leading up to Christmas. And Luke chapter 3 has a lot to say about how we can do that. So I invite you to hear now this reading from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was the ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Etreia, and Trachonius, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance, for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. 
May God bless the reading of the gospel. Thanks be to God. Luke introduces John with a resume that highlights who he is and how he has been called to his role as a prophet. It's time-stamped with rulers of the day. It includes the prophetic call, the word of God came to John, family lineage, son of Zechariah, and location in the wilderness. This pattern is common in the Old Testament because it shows us that these prophets have indeed been called by God for a specific time in a specific place. It's more interesting that John was called to be a prophet when you consider that he came from a line of priest. His father, Zechariah, is a priest whose rotation of duties would have been serving in the Jerusalem temple. And his mother, Elizabeth, of course, descends from the line of priests originating with Aaron. If John were following in the family business, he too would have been a priest, but God has called him to something else. God has called him to be a prophet. So instead of serving near Israel's holiest place in the temple, we find him out in the wilderness, the region around the Jordan, the liminal space outside of what everyone else considered holy and sacred. But it is there in the wilderness that the word of God comes to John. The wilderness in the Bible often represents vulnerability and uncertainty. It's unfamiliar, it can be uncomfortable, and therefore it can generate fear. But also, we see this pattern that it's precisely in these wilderness moments that God often does something transformative, renewing, and inspiring. A few weeks ago in the Connection Sunday School class, I was reminded of how the last year and a half has felt like a wilderness of sorts. It's been the kind of disorienting, uncomfortable, and uncertain season that has changed us as people. Before the pandemic, many of us believed the lie that we could control something about our lives, about our future. We want so desperately to believe that we can make plans that will come to pass, that we can dream dreams and with hard work and determination, they can come true. And then COVID-19 happened and kind of pulled the rug out from under us and made us think, I don't even know where I am. Nothing is normal, everything is weird. Things were canceled, stopped, things we didn't even know could cease did. We found ourselves wandering in the wilderness, wearing masks with our family, sitting outside in the freezing cold to eat holiday meals. But in that wilderness, the isolation, the loneliness, the uncertainty of it all, we can look back and see that God remained with us in and throughout the wilderness. Just as God guided the Israelites by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, God provides what is needed in the wilderness. Sometimes it's manna, sometimes it's a feast for the multitudes, and sometimes it's clarity on what is most important. So the Sunday school class, they were talking about how during those COVID times, we came to see that perhaps it's not the cleaning and the gifts and the food that's important at all, because last year, I don't know about you, but all I wanted was to feel normal with my friends and my family. I wanted to be able to hug my grandparents without being afraid that perhaps I had contracted COVID and was going to give it to them. I wanted to be able to embrace my mom, you know? That's what we were shown in the COVID wilderness. 
And it was a reminder to us that we don't know what tomorrow may bring, but our faith gives us hope that God can use seasons of wilderness and uncertainty to teach us, to stretch us, and to remake us into who God has called us to be. John doesn't stop after he receives this word from God in the wilderness, but rather this wilderness time for John was preparing him and fueling him to go forward and to give this word to the people that he received from God. And so what was this word he received? He was to prepare people to receive the coming Lord. In the season of Advent, which we're in right now, every year we retell the story of Jesus' birth. We trek with Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. We remember the circumstances that led to the baby having to be laid in the manger. We sing songs about three kings, the star that shone bright, and the silent night. But Advent also serves as a yearly reminder that one day we will receive the coming Lord again. Jesus will return not in the form of a baby, but in the form of our Savior and King who has come to redeem the whole world. On that day, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. All the isolation, the loneliness, the pain, the fear will be no more when God comes again. The Bible says that no one knows the day or time when this will be. So Advent, it serves as a yearly reminder that we must be prepared, not only for Christmas each year, but for the second coming when Jesus does come again. In Luke 3.3, Jesus tells the people how to be prepared. He says to be prepared by a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now this is different than the baptism we do one time in a person's life. This baptism is from the Jewish tradition, and it has to do with turning or returning back towards God. It's a daily decision to wake up and to tune your heart towards God into godliness and to be the person God has called you to be. The word here for repentance is metanoia, which denotes an active internal change that leads to an active and noticeable external change. It's the same word from which we get the word metamorphosis. And I don't know about you, but when I hear metamorphosis, I'm transported back to biology class, which I was not very good in biology. But I did learn something about metamorphosis. It makes me think of butterflies. And a couple weeks ago, I was reading the book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar, to my nephew. Have any of you ever read this book? I'm sure. It's a story about a very hungry caterpillar who is born from an egg and begins to eat everything in sight until he is no longer hungry or little. The big fat caterpillar builds a cocoon around itself and stays inside the cocoon for an unspecified amount of time, doing we're not sure exactly what inside the cocoon until emerges from that cocoon a beautiful butterfly. And that's, and that's the book. That's the book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. But it kind of left me thinking when thinking about metanoia and the idea of turning, of returning, of becoming something new, thinking about metamorphosis and how it's an actual change, I got to thinking, I don't really know what happens inside the cocoon. So I did a little research. And it's actually pretty gross what happens in there. 
So what I learned is that the caterpillar, when it builds this cocoon around itself, the enzymes basically absorb all of the caterpillar, and it turns into a goopy liquid substance that the cocoon is necessary for to hold it all together. So basically, the caterpillar turns into soup. It basically melts and turns into soup inside this cocoon. And then somehow, from the sludge, forms these beautiful wings, antenna, a body, a head. We don't know exactly how this happens, but it is a truly remarkable and unbelievable change that happens inside that little cocoon. You know, each year when we decorate our chrismon trees, we hang butterflies. And we hang butterflies for two main reasons. Number one, they remind us of the death and resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus rose again, that death could not hold him. But we also hang butterflies to remind us of the Christian life, that when we are born again in Christ, we are a new creation. We're not supposed to look anything like we looked before, like the fat caterpillar turning into this beautiful butterfly. And sometimes it takes going through a period of wilderness or darkness inside a cocoon. It takes some time to fully turn yourself or return yourself back towards God and who God has called you to be. When we hang these butterflies, we don't talk about the caterpillar soup, but that is the truth about what it can take. But the way that God can transform us is truly incredible. Our passage ends with John recalling Isaiah's prophecy that a voice calling out in the wilderness will say, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. John's proclamation in the wilderness is a call to spiritual renewal. It's a call to repent and to remember why we started this journey in the first place. It is God alone who can reconcile and redeem the world in this dramatic sort of way. It is only God who can raise up valleys and lower mountains. It is only God who can transform caterpillars into beautiful butterflies it is God alone who can transform ordinary sinners like us into people redeemed children of God. It is God alone who can transform and forgive and make all things new. One day, Jesus is going to return and do just that. And that is one of the things that we remember and anticipate during Advent. So as we continue preparing our homes, let us also prepare our hearts not only for Christmas coming up this week, but also for the second coming, for those times when we encounter Jesus in another person, when we encounter Jesus when we're out in the world, let us be prepared for that, prepared to show the light of Christ which lives inside each of you and to show that love, hope, peace, and joy that can only come from him. May it be so. Amen.